Cigar Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Ales here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Devin. I'm joined, as I am every week, by Mr. Shane Reeves. Great night. Kind of an odd night. We're recording on a Friday night. Which... I don't think we've ever done before. I was fixing that. I think this is our initial Friday night show. We've done Saturday mornings. We have. And we've done Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays, but I don't think we've, and Thursdays. I don't think we've ever done Friday. Yeah, I think this is a, this is a new one. By the end of the year, we need to catch a Sunday recording just so that we can say we've covered all seven days of the week. I believe when we first started, we did a couple on Sunday. Uh, those were some of the episodes that got trashed. Aha. Uh-huh. But anyway... First things first, now that Allie has delivered your water to you. That's service. That is service. And with a smile, did you notice? She she seemed tickled to death. Just so, to be able to give me a hard time, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Got a bunch of good things to get to tonight, but before I get to anything else, I think we need to light up a cigar. Yeah, and you've got kind of a, a special one there this week, so why don't you tell us about it? So, Austin, um, to me, one of the hallmarks is of a good cigar shop is when they let you know what new things are coming in. And he put a post up this week that they had the Black Honey in La Colmina Black Honey. It's from Warped Cigars, which I don't smoke a lot of Warped Cigars. Neither do I. They're kind of hard to find. They are. It's kind of a a rare thing, but he spoke so much about how good this was, I decided I needed to give it a shot. So I'm going to smoke the Black Honey. It's factory is in the United States, El Titan de Bronze, which I don't oh, know yeah. what that is. It's in Miami. Is it in Miami? Yeah, a lot of good stuff has come out of the El Titan de Bronze factory. Well, the wrapper's an Ecuadorian Habano Oscuro, the binder's Ecuadorian, and the filler's Dominican and Nicaraguan. 5 by 48 Velicoso, um, so should be a pretty good smoke. I'm interested with that recipe to kind of see how it flows in. But if it don't work, I can always reach over and snatch yours out of your hand and we'll just swap. Right. Because <laughs> <laughs> tell them what you're smoking. Well, I am, I'm smoking your favorite cigar of 2017. It's the Drew Estate Undercrown Sungrown. This is the Bellicoso that I'm smoking. I've, got a, I've had one of these now, so this will be my second. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm not on a fresh palate tonight like I probably should be to give it the full taste. But it's I've been thinking about this cigar all week because as much as I've, you know, listening back to the past couple of shows and and hearing how much you've talked about and how much you love this cigar, could you make more noise while lighting that damn cigar? Oh. <laughs> I had to cut it four times, okay? Because <laughs> I, I kept not want so. You know my theory. You can always take more off. You can never add it back on once you cut the cigar. So first I took a little cut. I did a V-cut on it, and I took a little cut, and I took my chest and my draw. My draw was not strong enough, so I took a little more. Took a little more. Before I knew it, I am making as much noise as humanly possible. (laughs) It sounded like you were cleaning an M16 over there. (laughs) And then afterwards, me throwing my cutter across the table (laughs) probably didn't help matters any. Um, May I light my cigar now, or would you like to criticize anything else I'm doing? No, go for it. Just keep it under 10 seconds. Uh, So I'm hearing how much you've talked about this cigar made me really excited to give it another shot. And I wanted to do it on the show because the first one I had, I didn't smoke on the show. So I haven't been able to really taste it, enjoy it, and really think about it and give a review of it. One of the things I really love, uh, whenever I'm researching a new cigar for the show or, or, you know, pulling up the specs on it to talk about it. I really love going to Half Wheel. That's the website I use most of the time 
as long as the cigar's new enough that there's something on it. I've, I want to read their description of this cigar word for word because, you know, we, we've been talking a lot in recent weeks about Cigar Aficionado and their flowery language. And I was reading this, and it just blew me away how well it's written. For the Undercrown Sungrown, the company returned to some of the elements found in the original, but selected a sungrown Ecuadorian Sumatra wrapper to sit on top of a Connecticut River Valley stalk cut and cured sungrown Habano binder, binder and fillers from Nicaragua, which includes a leaf of brackets, extensively aged Lajero from Nueva Segovia region of the country, which is located near the border with Honduras. That is so much information. That you don't know, that's so much better than Nicaraguan binder and filler. It really tells me what's going on in the cigar, and I just really, really like that. Well, and it's so much better than hints of nuts with a, a, a hint of squirrel running through chicken broth in February. Yeah, I really, <clears throat> I really don't need all that. I'm going to taste what I'm going to taste. Yeah. Give me the, then again, I'm a very analytical kind of nerd, so I like the nuts and bolts more than I like the emotion of it. So I... That just really, really impressed me. Well, and that reflects in our podcasting a lot that you and I both lead a very examined life. Mm. I never want to lead an unexamined life. I always want to really step back and take a look at it. And I do have to address, yes, we are on the cigar cast, and we do do a lot of talk about cigars, but I get a lot of people that enjoy our talk about other things just as much as our cigar talk. Which brings me to something that I want to talk about before we get into cigars, something that just happened. I want to brag on Allie here a little bit, and because something just happened that, that other people in my life do as well, but it's just a sign of maturity here that I think is lacking from so many people. Um, when you go to borrow something from somebody, you know, I, I'll lend my stuff to people, pretty much anybody. I'm, I'm usually very, very trusting. And so if someone's in need of something that I have and I'm not using, I'll let them borrow it for a, a little bit of time. And the so tomorrow she's going to borrow something of mine. And, and before she agreed to do it, she asked, now, how much did it cost? Not looking to know how much how expensive it was, because the point is, if something were to happen to it, I want to know how easily it is going to be for me to replace it for you. Right. And that is just such a sign of maturity and thoughtfulness that so many people lack. And that just blew me away. You know, and that's, a, that's an interesting thing because I have a solid rule in life, and I hope everybody else embraces this after they hear this rule. If you said to me, hey, Shane, tomorrow I need to go pick up two pit bulls and a Rottweiler. Can I borrow your truck? <laughs> Tonight. What kind of friends are you? <laughs> Well, okay, I may not run with the greatest crowd. Okay. But, Shane, can I borrow your truck? I would say, yeah. And then tonight, I would go fill my truck up with gas. Mm -hmm. That way, when you got my truck and you went and you used it, you could come bring it back to me, brought back to full. That way, you're not... Because it's the worst when you get a vehicle from somebody and there's like half a tank. But so it now you've got to do that eights. math at the pump. Well, and then you feel like a cheapo if you don't take it all the way to full. And But if it's on dead empty and you're like, man, I'm fixing to have to spend, you know, 80 bucks to fill this sucker up. Yeah. And all. And the kangaroo just ain't worth that much money. So Wait, it's, it's a kangaroo now? <laughs> well, you know. What kind of dog fighting ring are you running over there? Well, you got to do something interesting every now and then to keep the odds makers happy. <laughs> Goodness knows football hadn't been exciting enough this year for anything. But people just, 
I always make it a point, and my father was the world's worst. I believe he would bring me his truck literally running on fumes. I would twist it. You know the noise the gas cap makes when you twist it? It goes... Because <laughs> it sucked a vacuum trying to get the last... Uh... <laughs> yeah, because it's like, well, I hope you're downhill, you're uphill from a filling station because you're going to need to put it in neutral and roll half the way. <laughs> so I always make it a point to fill it up. But yes, to your, I think how you... How you treat your fellow man in that respect really does matter, or yeah. woman, as the case may be. Right. So, yeah, I think that, that makes perfect sense. It's just one of those things that, that just have the forethought, I think, is just something. Like, I try and I'm one of those people I can usually see multiple sides to every scenario. You know, if someone's mad at me, I can usually see their point of view. Or, you know, if I'm mad at someone, I can usually see why they felt justified in the actions or, or maybe it's even something else. So knowing that someone else is kind of thinking outside of just themselves uh, is, is really, I like that. Well, last week was Puppy's first visit to the cigar shop. We took a Saturday morning, we went to the park down here and we went all the way up the hill to Fort Granger and ran him around. So he was pretty wore out. Which was my plan. I wanted right. him kind of exhausted before we brought him in here. And Allie got to see him, and he sat outside the shop and greeted everybody. And it was a, it was a good visit. Yeah. And I didn't bring him in the shop because I didn't want his fur to smell like cigars. I can see that. And I'll, even He's going to roll around in something when he gets home and get rid of that smell anyway. Well, yeah, there's, there's always that. He, he likes nothing better than something spoiled. <laughs> but, so, a couple of things to talk about tonight. First and foremost, I do want to say something. This is really interesting. This is the first time I have ever had this happen with a cigar. If you had took the label off of this cigar, handed it to me, and I lit it and started smoking it, I would have called it black honey. Really? It has that note, that rich, not sweet. You know how really good, um, usually clover honey yeah. has that, that kind of almost a tang, but not exactly. It has that flavor. So I'm really enjoying the first half an inch of it so far. But that's very interesting. I've never had a cigar that if you'd handed it to me and I'd started smoking it and said, what would you name that cigar? Black honey. Okay. Now I may be giving myself more credit than I'm due, but <laughs> if I don't do it, who will? So... Moving forward, going to talk about a few cigar things real quick, and then I got some big topics for us to get into. I love how excited you sound tonight. That's unusual. It's Friday night. It's the Friday energy, isn't it? It is. It's the Friday energy. It's the I've worked all week. I moved my office this week, which is an incredible pain in the neck, but is really worth it and just keeps getting better and better. Um, I need to find somebody that can hang a TV and get them run by my office. But <laughs> I might know a guy. Okay, if you know a guy, I need a TV guy. But um, just now I'm here. I had a good dinner, and I'm just getting to relax. And finally, I, I look forward to the podcast every week. I do, too. I, some interesting – I'm going to say this on the air so that you're forced to um, hold true on it so I can hold your feet to the flames. Great listener suggestion came in this week that next time we played the aficionado game, it should be you versus me. Yeah, I know the listener that suggested that, and I told her that I didn't know how well that would work. <laughs> I want to keep my win streak alive, so I think it's great. Well, we'll have to find somebody. We'll have to get a guest host. Do you think Steve Harvey's busy? Yeah, if we drive down to Atlanta, we can probably get yeah, him. He's a cigar guy. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he's a cigar guy. He's a big-time cigar guy. So, this week, Half Wheel 
who we were spoken about earlier, just released the article. Arturo Fuente, Fuente announces Nicaraguan factory. Oh. And they're going to call the factory, I love this, they're calling the factory Gran Fabrica del Tabacos La Bella y Bestia, the Beauty and the Beast factory. I like that. I do too. Very good. Now, I didn't know. So Fuente had a factory in Nicaragua 30 years ago, and it burned down. It was in the 1970s following the Cuban Revolution. They had 300 um, employees, produced about 18,000 cigars, and it burned down. Oh, and they just never rebuilt it? They never rebuilt it. And um, after it was burned in 1978, then, then they lost the factory in Honduras a year later. They all went totally Dominican. I wonder what happened to the Honduran factory. I don't know. I wonder if it was political. <laughs> you know, a good host would research that, but I'll, I'll see if I can find us one of those. Maybe he can host the aficionado game. <laughs> the night of my stunning victory. But anyway, but I'm interested what cigars are going to come out of there. You know, I, I spoke about the, the Opus that I smoked recently and how much I've... I'm not a huge Fuente fan because they don't have the body that I'm usually looking for. However, every time I smoke one, I become surprised and remember that I do like them. It's really weird. And, but knowing how much I love Nicaraguan tobaccos, I think what they could do with that, and especially if they weave some of that tobacco into their existing blends, I think there could be some amazing stuff coming out of that factory. Hey, the first Opus Nicaraguan that comes out, I'm I'll there. buy a box. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying it right now. I'm on it. Now, if you look, and if you look on Half Wheel for those playing the at-home game. That's gorgeous. You can see the picture of the factory as they proposed it. And it, one, it's not orange, which I thought it would be. But <laughs> two, it is just a beautiful Spanish villa-type building. Yeah. So I always, li- I always like it when they do something like that. It doesn't have, you know, they could build a great big 10,000-square-foot warehouse and start rolling cigars in it. Right. But I like when they add something to that. They well, bring And a it's Fuente, more. so they love the story. They do, and I think it may. I think it reflects the corporate culture will reflect all the way down through your product. I don't care what your product is, if it's cigars or Big Macs, the culture of that corporation will reflect what happens on what goes on in your business. Oh, that's that's absolutely true. You know the the people that work, you know, on the lines in the trenches, they're a reflection of the culture that set from the top it, it, it really does trickle down yeah it's it's you know what makes Drew Estate what makes them great I was exact I was that's exactly what I was thinking you know the passion that Jonathan has for the industry and for cigars in general and just for his personality it really shows in the people that he puts around him but also the people that work for him you know all the way down to the reps you know I don't know any of the rollers or the factory people to be able to speak to that but there's just such a great culture, and it's it's set by Jonathan's example. Well, and we've all seen it. There's certain reps that come in here repping their cigars, and they're just so stuffy and uptight, nobody really wants to smoke their cigars. Mm-hmm. Um, one rep in particular is such an unlikable human being, I couldn't imagine smoking his product. But I'm not going to mention by name. I would hope not. <laughs> but he's, he's just not a nice guy. Right. And I'll, he, I don't know how he got into that work. But it's interesting. Culturally, I'll bet you his boss is not a nice guy. Right. I, and I'll I bet, bet you're right. all the way to the top that's the way. Because I know this line of cigars. And anybody out there knows which line of cigars I'm talking to if you've listened to more than one or two shows. <laughs> but anyway, 
in the in the interest of someday having sponsorships, not from that company, but from some other companies, I won't go into that. So let's talk about tonight. Oh, first I have to tell you, I got pulled over for bird watching. Uh, okay. <laughs> Which, at, at which house was your telescope pointed? <laughs> no, I was in my truck, which may explain with the yeah, telescope <laughs> and the kangaroo up front why nobody. <laughs> what do you think? Why the, but why you the did state, have a full tank of gas. That's so. right. Why the state trooper pulled me over. No, I was driving home a week ago today, and a state trooper was behind me, and he turned his lights on, and I thought, what in the world? So I pull over. State Trooper walks up. Now, I have a very rigid process. I guarantee you I will never be shot by a police officer because I have a very rigid process involved in in when I'm pulled over. See, I do too. And I'll be interested to see how similar our rituals are in this case. So I roll my window down. I place my hands on top of the steering wheel. If it's dark, I turn the interior light on. And I don't move a muscle till the trooper gets right there by the door. Do you also turn your car off? I don't turn my car off. I probably should start doing that. I do. Oh, that's, that's a good app. See, i got to add that to this. And I'll butt my hands on the wheel. And then when he comes up and he says, okay, I need to see your registration. I say, now, officer, I'm going to open my glove compartment. And I'm going to reach into my glove compartment and look for this registration because this is obviously not something I use. There may be a knife fall out of my glove compartment because I'm a deer hunter. And I always have a knife in my glove compartment. And usually the state trooper takes two steps back and puts his hand on his gun. That don't bother me. Right. I'm not breaking the law, so it don't bother me. Right. I'm all for it. And all, which I dig around in there and find the registration. All, But he said, do you know why I pulled you over? I said, I ain't got no idea. He said, well, failure to maintain lane. I said, well, I'm on a three-lane road. There's a suicide lane in the middle. There's nobody coming. So it's not like I ever swerved into oncoming traffic. But he, I, he said, have you been drinking? I said, no. He said, have you been on any prescription medicine? I said, no. He said, then why are you not in your lane? I said, I'm looking at the birds. Because up on the hill, there was probably 5,000 <laughs> blackbirds. And I was just imagining me and Ace chasing these birds because he loves to chase birds. <laughs> and I told him, I was thinking of me and my Labrador running through all those birds up there. <laughs> he said, well, try to keep your mind on driving for until you get home for the next little while. And he just gave me a warning and got let me get away with it. But I've, I now am first and foremost the only person that has ever been pulled over for bird watching. That, you know... There, it was impressed upon me a few years ago, something that has gone a long way. I don't get pulled over very often, but one of the phrases that I use almost every time is, just have my head in my ass. Like, you know, just, I, you know, yeah, I have no excuse for what I'm doing. You're right. You know, and just that, that submission to whatever his whim is, it's at you. Like, I'm, you know, I give up. Whatever your judgment may be. Yeah. I'm you, not I'm not defensive. I'm I'm not gonna try and lie to you about anything. I'm just this is what it is. And nine times out of ten, that's that's enough. Well in the past and I, and I think those steps that you and I both take leading up to that that show that we are fully respectful of the, the nature of what he's thinking as, as he's walking up to that car, I think that disarms the situation to begin with. Well, it can't be easy, because if I put myself underneath his hat, 
and he's walking up there. It can't be easy to walk up there not knowing if they got a knife, a gun, or what. You've got to do something. You know, it's a dangerous job. Yeah. So I'm always going to be sure to try to put that at ease, mm-hmm. whatever the case may be. So that was my pulled over for bird watching story. I, I do think you're probably the first person that's ever happened to. But I'm on an amazing streak. In the past eight months, I've been pulled over five times and only got one ticket. Hey, that's not bad. So I'm I'm way ahead of the curve on all that. So, but why are you getting pulled over so much? Because ever since I because you daydream about chasing birds with Ace. <laughs> well, I'm now in two months. I will be 42 years old. And ever since I was 16, the speed limit on the road in front of my house that I live on has been 50 miles an hour. It is now 35 miles an hour. <laughs> so, it's, you know, it's hard to get that out of your head. I don't know if you ever had a road you drove every day and then they change the speed limit on. I have a similar story. I didn't get pulled over for it, but there was a traffic light in the next town over from mine when I was growing up that used to be a blinking red. And then they decided to make it a full-on stoplight. And I ran that a couple of times. I pulled up, stopped, looked both ways, and turned left through the light. Uh, yeah, I don't get Just it. Because for when I started driving, it was a blinking red, and it took me a, uh, took me a couple of times before I finally remembered, oh, yeah, I have to actually stop for the red light here. Let's take a break for a few minutes because I want to live. It's a little short on the front end of the show. I want to leave a little more on the back end of the show because I want to talk about happiness. All right. I've been spending a lot of time thinking about happiness and how that affects life. And hopefully we'll get to the top, the other listener suggested topic, but I won't tease that just in case happiness takes the whole second half of the show. (laughs) Well, it sounds like a plan. We'll be back with that and more after this. Shane here with your cigar under $8 this week. This week, we're going to talk about the Rocky Patel Super Lajero. The Super Lajero came out about two years ago, and it's not like a double Lajero, and even I've seen triple Lajeros, where it's just a much stronger cigar. That The Super Lajero refers to a higher grade of Lajero tobacco. Um, its wrapper is Habano, Honduran, and the origin is Honduras. So Honduran cigar made by Rocky Partel, MSRP is about $7.50. It's a lot of cigar for the money. It's a great smoke, one of my personal favorites, and everyone should try one. For more information on the cigar under $8, please contact us on facebook.com slash thecigarcast or on Twitter or Instagram at thecigarcast. And please email us your ideals for cigar under $8 at info at thecigarcast.com. And welcome back to the Cigar Cast. I'm one of your hosts, Shane Reeves, sitting across the table from nature's perfect podcaster, Trey Denner. <laughs> that might be the nicest thing you've ever said about me on this show. <laughs> well, I, I was thinking earlier this week, and, I, and you know, nature creates someone for everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, you do have the perfect predators, you have the perfect prey, and you are the perfect podcast partner. I don't get to say nice things to you often enough. (laughs) Certainly not on the air. (laughs) But anyway, moving back to it. Tell me what you're thinking about the shade. I really like it. It's, there's a flavor 
that I can almost guarantee is coming from the wrapper a tasting note that I really like but can't quite identify. Is it kind of middle front of your tongue? Yes. Sumatra. But I'm, I, but I'm trying to take, like, what that, that flavor is. Well, a Willie Herrera blended cigar will have those notes that you just catch here and there. And when I first smoked that cigar, I had that same thought, and I thought, what is that? And come to find out, it's the Sumatra. It's, I think it might actually be cocoa, but not like, like an actual cocoa bean. Okay, like a cocoa plant. Not yeah, a, not like cocoa powder or Nesquik or something like that. Yeah, real cocoa. Real cocoa. I think that's the flavor I'm getting. Well, the black honey is, I mean, it's a good cigar. Um, I'll have to catch you at the end of the show to see if it's worth the price. The MSRP is like $16.50. Yeah. For a 5 by 48 that's way up there on the pricing scale for me. Yeah, that's that's getting up there. Yeah. Spe- speaking of cigars on the upper side, did I talk about the Ciudad de Musica last week? You have not given your review of that. Okay. Um, I was trying to remember when it was that I smoked it. So I was really impressed with it. It it was everything I like about the Headley Grange, just taken up a notch. It, it, the price point's hard to swallow. The price point on it is hard. And, you know, maybe my hope is that it's something Altadis is trying at just the Casa de Monte Cristos, and then if it gets a big re- receiving, they'll make a bunch more of them, and maybe we'll get a little economy of scale pricing. Well, I think, I mean, but, the, but at the end of the day, it's a special release for 15 bucks, which isn't bad when you think of it in that context. And that 15 bucks was for a full Toro. I mean, it was a 56 by five and a half, so it, right. or six by 56. So it was a good-sized cigar, and it, it smoked for an hour and a half. So it was, I mean, I definitely feel like I got my money's worth. It's just, so it's not like I feel like it's overpriced for what it is. It's just hard to pull the trigger on that much for a cigar. Yeah, especially through the week if you're just on a weekday smoke. Now, on a Friday night, you know, like tonight when I've had a good week and I'm kind of unwinding, I might pull the trigger on something a little more expensive. But so this is this is how I come to this topic of happiness. Finding happiness in life is something that man has been searching for since the dawn of time. What is happiness? You know, where does happiness come from? How is it derived? How do you pursue it? Can you pursue it? And I got to where every time I was coming in here, I would just reach and grab a Padron 9000. It was just easy mode for me. I knew it was going to be a great cigar every time I grabbed it. I knew exactly how long it would smoke. I, I could gauge everything. I could just reach and grab that cigar. See, we, we talked a couple weeks ago about how I'm so close to that monogamous cigar smoker. The Padron 4000 is that for me. I got to the point that when I, when I stop in Reserva Cigars over by my house after work or whatnot, uh, when I walk in, Tony asks if I'm staying or going, because sometimes I grab and go, other times I hang out. And regardless of the answer, he says, 1101. Because he and I both know what that, because I, I so often it's just, because it's such, an, it's such a great cigar for that price. And it's the same every time. And it's so good. It is. 
But I noticed about the fifth time I did that, that Padron didn't taste as good. And I thought, what's going on? And then it occurred to me, if all I ever smoked was the best Padron, eventually the best Padron would not taste good. That's true. I mean, and I think happiness is that way. You know, how many people have you ever seen... They won the lottery and went, abs- and they're absolutely miserable from this point. Or, well, it's like that guy that we've talked about that used to come in the shop a lot. That you know, I've got more money in than anybody else in here, and I'm the most miserable sob. Like it, you know, it's happiness is not related to anything else. It's not the car in your driveway. It's not the cigar in your hand. You know, there, or the money in your bank account. It's just, it's something else entirely. Possessions cannot make you happy. No. I mean, no amount of possessions can make you happy. No amount of seeking it. And happiness is like trying to hold water in your fist. The tighter you try to hold on to it, the more of it you're going to lose. You've really got to have a perspective of how to, how to be happy yeah. in this world. Well, and it's funny you say that because, you know, you mentioned possessions and happiness. The first thing I thought about was, you know, do I have any possessions that actually make me happy? And I thought about my bicycle. Because <laughs> I think that's about, but, but what's so interesting about that, so you mentioned happy, possessions making you happy. And I, that's the first thing I think of because my bike does make me happy. But it's not owning the bike that makes me happy. It's the the feeling I get when I ride it. It's the 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 freedom that I get from riding all around the city. It's the the satisfaction after a strong workout. It's it's the things that aren't the possession itself. It's a mode. It's a means to happiness. But it is not in self itself inherently happiness. Right. You know, can cigars make you happy? Well, no, they're still just a cigar. Mm -hmm. But can the people you share a cigar with make you happy? Happier than anything you can do. Well, it's like when people talk, when I talk to people that don't smoke cigars, a lot of times they talk about how addicting it, you know, they immediately assume it's addictive because of tobacco. And I tell people I could go the rest of my life and never smoke a cigar and be fine from an addiction standpoint. What I would miss, though, is the camaraderie of the cigar shop. I don't think I could go, like, that would be the hard part about stopping cold turkey, about stopping cigars. Would not be the cigars themselves, but it would be the friends that I've made in the cigar shop, the feeling of, of brotherhood that you get from hanging out with good people, sharing good stories, and, and having wonderful, meaningful conversations. Yeah, just finding out about life. Just when you're sitting there and you're talking to other people about life. And even inside that, finding happiness, you know, bad cigars. Every now and then, take time and smoke a bad cigar. Every now and then, go to the bargain bin in the bottom of the bargain bin and dig out something on the bottom that you know is probably not going to be a great cigar. And just smoke it and think how much you'll, how much more you'll enjoy the Padron next time you reach for it. <laughs> You know, I don't necessarily advocate willfully going down that road. Oh, sure. Every now, every now and then, pick up a Gurkha. You know, go ahead and t- that they should put me in charge of their ad campaign. Hey, yeah. before you smoke a good cigar, smoke a Gurkha. <laughs> and ever so often, reach for that. Because if every day's a sunny day, then what's a sunny day? So, looking for that. The other thing 
The ability to suffer fools gladly is tied directly into your level of maturity and your level of happiness. There's some people in the shop that I that I come in and as soon as I see them, my heart leaps because it's nice to know they're in here and I'm going to be able to talk to and them. And about half of them are sitting at the bar right now, which yeah. which made which was really good for me when I walked in. Yeah, I really wanted to just bring the microphones over there and hey, don't mind us. We're just going to sit yeah. here, <laughs> sit here with y'all. But and then there's some people that when you pull up and you see their car in their parking lot, you're like, oh man, he's here. Yeah. He's backed into that spot, and he's here. And you, you know it's, you know, you're like, eh, am I in the mood to deal with that person today? Hey, I always back into my parking space. Oh. Wait a minute. <laughs> but the ability to suffer fools gladly is a direct reflection on where you're at happiness-wise. Because if you're in a, the right place, nobody's going to pull you out of that. If you're in a place where somebody can pull you out of your happiness, then you're probably not quite there yet. Yeah. Well, happiness is can be an overreaching trait, but it is also still an emotion. And no matter how good a day you're having or how happy you are in general, there are still people that can bring bring you down. The other thing that really will interfere with happiness to me in my life is comparison. It's been said, I wish I knew who quoted it, that comparison is a theft of joy. And sitting and comparing yourself to other people and saying, well, that guy, you know, he's, he's wealthy, or he, and I wish I was wealthy, or he drives a Maserati and I drive a Ford, or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Sitting and comparing yourself. The most, most people I know that are the most miserable people I know are the people that are constantly comparing themselves to someone else, that feel like they have to be in competition with every Tom, Dick, and Harry that walks in here and lights up a cigar. And that's one of the things I love about endurance sports is because, in a, you know, I'm 31 years old. I'm in a very competitive age group. I know I'm not going to win. So I'm not out there com- comparing myself against others. It's, I don't care how fast he swims or how, you know, smooth he is on the bike. It's all about me against myself. There's, it, it takes that comparison away because there's... There's no need for it. It's you versus the clock. It's you versus you. It's not necessarily at, at, at the level I'm competing at. Well, that's the joy of golf for me. The only person I've got to be better than is who I was last week swinging and hitting that ball. Mm-hmm. And that, that's one of the you know joys of golf. That's one of the things that I love, other than the fact it's such a gentleman's game. You keep your own score, and it reveals so much about character. I can tell you. A man that cheats at golf will cheat at life. And a man that cheats at life may not cheat at golf. (laughs) You will see honest golfers who are crooks everywhere else. But you will never see anybody shaving a few strokes off of their golf game that doesn't shave a few strokes off the rest of their life. But I like that. um, Partnership to comparison for Rob and Joy is also shame. The least effective way you can try to motivate me to do anything is through shame. And I don't know what it is. My mother, my grandmother, I love them both, but that was always the first tool in their bag. Have you, what's been your experience? I'm the exact same way. I tend to, I tend to shut down at that. That's not, you know, the, the people that, I'm one of those people that tell me I can't do something and I'll do it twice. In terms of accomplishment, not in terms of like scolding, but yeah. So that that shame element that just that just backs me into a corner. 
that doesn't work for me. So that brings us to the question, how do you get to your happy place? How do you get and maintain a daily attitude of happiness and fulfillment? Well, I used to tell my sales team all the time, which is that you get to choose your own attitude. When you wake up in the morning, you get to choose if it's going to be a good day or not. No one else does. So it, it goes back to that examine life. You know, do I want to be the kind of guy that just lets life happen to me? Or do I want to leave my mark on the world, on the day? You know, something as simple as smiling at the barista at Starbucks. You know, just taking that, that little bit of effort to think how... Because how, I get happy... My happiness is derived from creating happiness in others. That is one thing that I really thrive on. I like doing nice things for people. I like buying gifts for people. And so taking the conscious effort to, no matter what kind of day I'm having, doing something nice for somebody else creates an inherent happiness that I carry the rest of my my day. Well, and I'm going to put you on the spot here. And if you don't want to go in this, you can give me the super secret hand signal that says move along. No, not that one. Not that one either. <laughs> Keep it, you do that during traffic. Okay. <laughs> and uh, you weren't always a happy person. You confided this in me one time that during an earlier stage in your life, you were kind of... I was such a miserable punk. I was unhappy in everything. Uh, it took... And I can tell you the exact... I won't bore you with the story because it's kind of a long one. But I can tell you the exact moment when I went, I don't want to be this guy. I got, I cussed out a guy that, while he may have deserved it, didn't deserve it. And my, my first resort at being slighted was anger and taking it out on somebody. And this was just, you know, and looking at people around me, you know, every one of us has those friends that, that everywhere they go is a party. You're that guy. You know, when you walk in the door, people are always happy to see you. And I'm like, why don't I attract those kind of people? And it's because I'm not that guy. It's because I was so miserable and everything out of my mouth was something negative. And I just made a decision one day that I wasn't going to do that anymore. And it forced me to quell my temper, which was a huge issue for me. And it also just allowed me to... I, I forced myself to see the good in everything and always look for the silver lining to the point that now it's such a natural trait. Well, making a change of that scope, how long did it take you? Was it six months? Was it a year? Was it overnight? It was, it was probably about a year and a half of, or, or two years before it really just became second nature to my personality. So when you started doing that, how did it affect the people around you? Did they all look at you like, are you dying of cancer? Or a what did they bit, say? A little bit. Now, part of the nice thing about being that negative, awful, sour human is that I didn't have a whole lot of people around me. So other than my family, no one really... It was it was the people that, and this was right around the time that I started working at the Opryland Hotel, was when I kind of made, it was right around that time that I made this decision. And so it was really interesting to start getting, you know, feedback from people about how you're always so calm, cool, and collected, and always have a nice, positive thing to say. And I'm, I'm hearing these things from these people, and I'm, I'm telling my family that people are saying this about me, and they're like, do they know you? 
<laughs> that is an actual conversation that happened. Uh, now we're back to shame. Right. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. Right? But, but it was true. Because the version of me that was that sour kid going through high school and just angsty teenager and all of that stuff, like I was finally able to shed that to the point that now most of the people that know me don't know who I was. And every once in a while, that guy will, will creep out of me. Uh, to a certain extent, Wednesday night this week, those who are friends with me on social media will have seen that. I try and be constructive when it does come out. But it's, it's one of those things that it still takes work. I still have to, when those, when those negative thoughts, I still have to go, no, wait a minute. These are the good things. These, this is the positive. And, I, and I, still, I still think about it. Luckily, I don't spend as much time thinking about it now as I once did. But uh, a, another great thing for anybody who happens to um, want to try and achieve more happiness um, and one, wants a little tool to get there. There's a great uh, book out there called The Five-Minute Journal, and it's fantastic. It's got three questions that you answer the first thing in the morning before you even get out of bed. Uh, three things I can do to make today, or three things that I can do to make today great, three things that I hope happen today, and one uh, statement of affirmation. And it just forces you to start the day thinking about good things. And it's all about what you can do. It's not about what could happen. It's how I can influence the, the day to make it a good one. And then at the, at the end of the day, before you go to bed, three awesome things that happened today and one thing I could have done to have made today better. We see, and this is why you're nature's perfect podcaster, because with no preparation at all, you've led right into what I was going to talk about. I have learned from my Labrador retriever the benefits of hitting the ground running every morning. You know, I used to be the guy, I need to get up, I need to have something to drink and relax and maybe watch a little TV, see what's on the news. And that's the worst possible thing. My lab gets up every morning and he hits the ground running. Mm -hmm. When he comes out of that kennel, he is excited for life. He's like, oh boy, it's a brand new kibble for breakfast, hot dog. (laughs) And he's just absolutely ecstatic. And I thought, how can I bring that into my life? And that consists of don't turn the TV on, make the bed. That way you're not tempted to flop back down in it. Mm -hmm. Take the lab for a walk because his two brain cells that play freeze tag are in a hyperdrive. (laughs) And just learning, it's funny, learning that from him, how much difference that's just made in the happiness of my life, just hitting the ground running. Well, and how much of our unhappiness comes from that feeling that we're not doing everything that we should be doing? I mean, I feel like that's a common trait amongst all people, which is that it... It's kind of that shame thing, right? You know, I could get up an hour early and go to the gym before work, or I could stop by the Dunkin' Donuts. But then you're going to carry that shame of that donut all day. Right. And so, but that waking up with purpose gives you that sense of accomplishment from the moment your head's off the pillow. Yeah, from the moment my feet hit the floor... I'm getting dressed to take the lab for a walk. I'm thinking about, okay, I've got to do today's chest and back day at the gym. And, you know, my perfect day is get up, walk the dog. It'll be tomorrow. My Saturday with my wife is always get up, we walk the dog together, we go to the gym together, we have a good workout, we come home, I cook us a big breakfast, and I'm able to serve my wife, and then I'm able to cook her breakfast that she really likes. And then probably about 10 o'clock, we'll go sit down on the porch and have a cigar. 
Yeah, so you're, you're starting the day on an action item, and you're also being of service to others, which is a, which is a huge thing for me and, and a relatively new addition to my happiness tool bag, which is being of service to others. And the only, so to, to put a bow on this conversation, here comes the big closer. What you do when you do have those situations that make you angry? You know, my, my rhythm got disturbed this week because I had to go handle a builder problem that should have never been a problem that had nothing to do with me, but I'm, I'm a facilitator, so I had to go facilitate. And when you find yourself so angry that you just want to scream, scream bubbles. It is impossible. <laughs> the word bubbles? The word bubbles. It is impossible to say the word bubbles angrily. Try it in your head. Everybody stop for a second and try to think how you could scream bubbles angrily. It don't work. I, I want to hear the story from the listener that gets pulled over. By the, <laughs> why couldn't you stay in your lane? I was screaming bubbles. <laughs> it's, it's impossible to scream the word bubbles in an angry voice. And if you do manage to, you're going to laugh. <laughs> and I'll see. You just tried it in your head and you laughed. I was so, just thinking about, I used, to, I, I used to know a clown named Bubbles. And I was just thinking about actually screaming at him as, as his clown persona. And that's what tickled me. Yeah, it's, it's just, for some reason, that's the one word in the English language that you cannot say in anger, is bubbles. So, I've, I've shared all kinds of great tips for managing, <laughs> managing life tonight. And chief amongst them is bubbles. <laughs> so, just thought I would, But, you know, the Cigar Cast is about us enjoying life. And happiness is a state of mind, a state of being. Um, external factors can affect it, but only to the degree which you allow them. Absolutely. I mean, case in point is when we were setting up to record tonight, someone came over that neither of us particularly know. I've never met him before. Uh, regular in the shop. And just came over, saw us setting up, and said, you know what, I really enjoy the podcast. That means the world to me. I can't express how much I love hearing that kind of positive, unsolicited feedback. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't have been happier. I mean, there's nothing that could have happened short of the winning lottery ticket that could have made me as happy. I'm not even saying the winning lottery ticket would have made me happier. But that just makes me happy because it is there is work involved in doing this podcast. Well, and you hit on something really important. There's a very big difference between elation and happiness. You know, elation is hitting the hole in one and winning the lottery. Happiness is how you react to everything on a macro scale. It's a state of being. Yeah. And, and, you know, I appreciate you saying that I'm the guy that comes in the cigar shop and kind of brings the party. But, because that's the guy I want to be. I'm, I'm very blessed in life, you know. Um, my family was poor at some point, but I never knew it. Mom and Dad never clued me into that fact, which I, I do say I've picked on my mother tonight, but I do say that. Every night my mother cooked us a full dinner, and we all sat around the table and had a full dinner. And Sunday mornings, we always had a big breakfast cooked for us. That's part of why I cook a big breakfast for Glenda and myself. Mm -hmm. And just things to put you in that phase of just happy, of just making the day seem to go so much better. Yeah. So I had to touch on happiness tonight. Now, the other subject that we're not going to get into at all, next week I do want us to talk about who should not smoke cigars. 
and all. So this will be an interesting episode for the Cigar Cast. And this was a, this was another listener suggestion. So I'm really looking forward to getting into this because I actually have some thoughts on the matter. Well, we had a listener actually sitting here, and I let her read my list of random topics and all the the quote list. One day I'll post it on Facebook, and then everybody will have state troopers pulling me over for reasons besides bird watching. <laughs> um. And she's seen that topic, and that leapt out at her. So that lets me know that's something we really need to talk about. I think we'll enjoy, because not cigars, this is not a hobby for everybody. No, it's really not. This is not. And it's interesting, because just by way of briefly glimpsing into that, the cigar is a great hostage taker. If you have someone, because I've used this to great effect in my life, especially with some friends I have that are prone to get down or they have something bad happen in their life, I can say, hey, let's have a cigar and talk about it. I've got a really great Cuban. I've got a really great cigar from this company. Or and I've now got, you've got a captive audience. Right. And now you have taken hostage for the amount of time that cigar takes. I even take the length of cigar according to how long I need to hold that person hostage. <laughs> And all, but we've held y'all hostage this week for about our standard show time. Do you have a cigar under eight for us this week? If we do, and it'll play during the break. Oh, that's right. I forgot we changed that. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll show them how the sausage is made this week. But they will already have heard the cigar under eight by the time we start talking about happiness. But um, been a good show. I think we can just call it a night on that and just have a good week, embrace our happiness. Yeah.